Welcome to Selling Luxury, brought to you by the editors of Luxury Travel Advisor. Today, we speak to Ann Scully, president of McCabe World Travel, on how to maintain great client relationships. And I've heard you say that selling luxury travel is like reading a really great book. And I'm fascinated by that analogy. Can can you take us a little further with that? Yes. Um, I actually believe a great travel advisor is a biographer of their client's life story through travel. All good books have beginnings, middles, and end. And I try to use that as a comparison of how you work with a client. In the beginning, especially if it's a new client, you have to start the conversation, but let them know your story and the benefits you can give the client. But you have to say that right up front. And then you want to hear their story because you cannot develop a book without developing the characters. And you say that as a book, a book has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And sometimes an advisor gets more focused on the beginning and the end and forgets the the middle part. Which I think is the most important uh, part of a book because that's the opportunity for an author and for a biographer to develop the client and to develop and learn about that client. What is it that would make their trip extra special? When can you have that wow moment? You can't create an advisor, can't design, create anything without realizing all clients are different and they they may not even know what they could have. That's where we come in. But the middle part is probably the most important part in writing that chapter because when you write a book and for a travel advisor, each chapter could be a trip in that novel for their life story through travel. Oh, I love that. Yes, and that makes perfect sense, and and it actually helps organize in the travel advisor's mind how they should be planning the next trip for their client. And if the travel advisor explains it that way to a client, the client sees each trip as a chapter um, in an ongoing story that needs to keep going. Correct. And, you know, uh, financial advisors do that. Personal shoppers do that. You have to know where the client has traveled, what they like, what they don't like is maybe even more important, where are they going now, what you're working on, but always, because we are salespeople, what, what are the future chapters going to look like? So you're building that history with the client. And that actually, with all the competition for clients today, when you know a client's history and they realize how much you care about them, it's a different relationship. You won't lose that client because somebody's marketing a price lower than yours. And that's the thing that an advisor really needs to explain to a client, right? Because a luxury travel advisor can bring so much to the table. And I think that often you hear advisors lamenting that they have lost a great client because perhaps the supplier went to them directly and the client didn't even understand the difference of working with an advisor or going direct. And I know that you feel an advisor really needs to explain 
the benefits of working with a luxury travel advisor right up front to the client in one of the very first conversations? Absolutely. For example, an online booking agent hasn't the ability to VIP your client. Mm -hmm. A computer, which is an online booking agent, the only thing it's connected to is its own plug. (laughs) When they talk to a travel advisor, they're connected to someone who can VIP them because no one has the power to VIP themselves. And I know I've been known for that Mm -hmm. in the industry for a long time, but it is a reality. We can have our clients known on arrival. As a travel advisor's client, they're known, not the card they're paying with. That makes a huge difference because one is a form of payment and the other is a relationship. And with the relationship, you get to know the person better and better. And let's go back to the beginning of the book, because as as I have said, I love the analogy of the book and each chapter and the beginning and the end. In the beginning of the book, the advisor needs to get to know the client's likes, their dislikes. Um, But how do you find this out from somebody without being intrusive and just asking like a lot of personal questions? How do you get to know that client? Well, first of all, I think it's important to realize who's going to be on the trip Mm -hmm. because trips should be designed so that everyone, when they come home, feels the trip was designed just for them because if mom and dad are having a good time and the Gen Z children aren't, I promise you, you won't have that client for the next trip. No one's having a good time if the kids aren't having a good time. Absolutely, and we all know Gen Z are big decision makers Mm. because they're in school learning, and it's a wonderful thing for a travel advisor to get to know the Gen Zs because they're learning incredible things in school that might take their parents uh, to to book a very um, uh, adventuresome and uh, exotic trip that certainly um, comes at a higher price and a higher commission to the travel <laughs> Right, exactly. They might see that very exotic adventure and, and say that's what they want to do, and the parents may not have ever thought about doing something like that, but their child is an influencer. Absolutely. And I also think it's important in that beginning conversation is to ask open-ended questions, pace. Pace matters. And, you know, uh, trust is a good word to use here. You want to establish trust from a client right up front by being knowledgeable, letting them know they're in good hands because, number one, you know the destination, but you know little things about the destination that they may not have read in a book. Talk about the partnerships you have at that destination. Um, But pace matters. Everybody wants to see everything very quickly. And I always sit and talk, especially if it's multi-generational. All families don't have to do everything at the same time. They may do certain things together in the morning, maybe after a nice breakfast starting the tour at 10 o'clock. Maybe grandma and grandpa that are in their 70s, maybe they don't do the afternoon trip. Mm -hmm. And maybe the luncheon's a little longer. Um, And sometimes having separate cars on a trip. Again, if you don't ask open-ended questions, knowing who the clients are, who's on this particular trip, what do they really want at the end of the trip to have accomplished? And then, of course, you offering wow moments. Some could be a surprise, but I do think, for example, and I think we would shift now to the middle of the story, if I could, Ruthann, mm-hmm, yep. because the beginning is the start of the conversation. 
And that's when we decide what is a travel advisor going to book for them. Is it the right size? You know, a friends of theirs might tell them they just got back from a great cruise and it was so wonderful, but you actually know this client and in asking them about what they like the most, they tend to like boutique smaller things and a slower pace. And their friends just came off from a mega ship at a very fast pace. So without insulting their friends, you might say, gee, knowing what you like, I'd like you to consider this other option as well. And, of course, when they see the two options together, they know right away what's the right fit for them. So that does matter. But then, let's say we did sell a cruise or we sold a beautiful uh, foreign independent tour all through Europe. Most advisors think they've done a good job with the beginning, and they file it away either in the computer or in their desk in a file. And those people in that file are screaming, Get to know me. Get to know me. Mm -hmm. And let's say that we did book a trip um, to London. We'll use London as an example. You could, rather than the client what they should have, you could ask these questions. Would you be more comfortable arriving in London with your children to have someone meet you right at the door of the plane? They can whisk you through customs. You've never been there. You've got three little ones with you. What do you think? Could I look into that for you? Of course they're going to say yes. Then you could say with your little ones, you're going to leave New York at 5.30 in the afternoon. You're going to arrive London at 5.30 mm -hmm. in the morning. Yes. When you're whisked into town, you will be there at 6.30, and on your clock, that's close to 1 a.m., your body clock. What if I book a hotel room with the fourth night free? Let's prearrange that room so when you walk in that hotel at 6.30, you go straight to your room. We can also, through our our connections, we can have breakfast waiting in that room on your arrival. You can all take a hot shower, take a nice nap, wake up at your proper time, 12.30, 1 o'clock, their time. You will not have any jet lag, and that room is free. And that's brilliant. I actually haven't heard the concept of, of taking that fourth night free and using it up front, so to speak, which is brilliant. Um, and, you know, that's where the advisor part comes in, doesn't it? Because say it's a first trip to Europe and you're all excited on the plane. And then, as you say, you when you land in the morning, you don't realize it's the crack of dawn in the destination and it's midnight in your own on your own clock. You haven't even considered that. And you're kind of walking blindly through an airport, <laughs> trying to go through customs, trying to get your luggage. And it's a horror show from the very beginning. But a great travel advisor will have briefed their client on all of these things that can happen. And then you get to the hotel and your room's not ready for like hours and hours and hours. So that's a really bad way to start a trip, I'd say. And it, it's a, a way to educate a client that there are certain things that they should pay for that right. will totally change the way they travel. And, you know, in the middle, because I do think the middle of the this relationship and your story and your chapter matter, when you take the time to get to know the client and ask everybody by the way loves to talk about themselves mm -hmm. but and i know you've heard this from me before but to me it's still one of the most important things i've done in travel in learning about a client i learned that he was a pianist 
It was a hobby for him, but he was actually a very good one. And we were doing a trip to him to Russia with Exeter. And I asked Exeter, did they have any of the apartments or somewhere special to visit for someone like my client who played the piano? And he was the head of a, a very famous music school. And in researching, they came back to me and said, you know, Rimsikov, the great composer, uh, Nicole Rimsikov, um, uh, had his apartment there. And um, they said, we'll arrange that for you. And that was my gift to them. Oh, I love that. And so the guide was walking them around uh, Moscow and then said, they actually said with Pace, you know, I think we'll go back a little early. We're tired. And they said, gee, you know, Anne had arranged a surprise for you today and took them uh, to the apartment. Now, my client always played the piano with music in front of him. But he had a new um, instructor, new teacher, who insisted he had three concertos at his fingertips. The curator of the apartment asked my client, did he want to play the great composer's piano? So when he came home and told me this story, I said, oh, please tell me that your wife took photos. And the wife, who was a, a, a very well-known lawyer in New York, said to me, there are moments in your life that are more important than taking a photo. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow. And I then said to him, did you tell your teacher? And then I heard them giggle, and she said, actually, Anne, the reason I didn't take the photo is because I held my phone so his teacher could hear him play. Oh, how wonderful. And so those are things when you get to know who your client is, you can create through your relationships because a travel advisor has to have great tools, and tools are for us, like a writer who does their research, we have relationship and partnerships that change the way our clients travel. A good advisor knows when and where to use them and to say, is there something you can give me? Because we have to be negotiators. You know, when I talked to Exeter, I was negotiating on behalf of my client. And somebody, and if I could just say one more thing, especially with luxury, when an advisor is selling a high-end um, travel package, whether it's a hotel, a cruise line, a guide, you want to be sure you ask, who's your best guide? I want a storyteller. I have a family coming. I want that guy to be able to introduce that culture both to a 40-year-old and a 10-year-old. You need to be negotiating. You need to be saying to the hotel, what would you normally give for a suite? I know what my benefits through my consortia is, but what would you do? That's for a normal double suite, uh, double room. What would you do for a seven-night stay in a suite? So you might negotiate a change of flowers every few days, amenities every night. You have to negotiate. Don't ask them or don't tell them what you want. Always ask what they will give you. Most likely, it's more than you would have asked for because, once again, they become the advisor and mm -hmm. they know what they can give you because we don't know what they have. Exactly. Just like our clients when they come to us, 
they don't know what they can have. So we have to use those relationships to the point that we even call the night before, gee, my client's available for an upgrade. Can I make that happen now before they leave? Because if you have a benefit and upgrade and you don't tell the client before they get there, that hotel is going to give it to them as if they gave it to oh, them. Okay. Never lose the benefit of an amenity and a benefit and feature you have claim everything you do to a client let the client know that it's you who actually sourced the surprise and that they didn't just get lucky when they got to the hotel absolutely and i think that's because so interesting loyalty yeah. matters it's so it's interesting loyalty. what you say about a hotel as well because i heard years ago um was a general manager for a hotel and i was doing a round table and he said something along the lines of like people don't know how ready a really really good hotel is to please their guests and we can do so many things and so by by suggesting that advisors ask that open-ended question of the hotel what can you do is so smart because you don't you don't know you don't know what you don't know and they might have some amazing simple little thing that they can do for a client that will just please them every few days and as you say the advisor should get the credit for that and the advisor has to paint the portrait of their client to that hotel. Yes. What type of music could be playing in the room? And I, I would add here, you should always, when your client goes into a room, whether it's a cruise ship or a hotel, they should feel your presence. So a, a quick example I'm thinking of, again, it was about London. I knew this family played games, so I had a Scrabble game sitting on the table, Welcome to London, printed out with my name at the bottom. So they knew that I had listened, that they liked games. So my welcome note was actually on the game. So thoughtful. And things like that, take, they take your time um, and they take your thoughts, but they don't cost a lot of money. And it's those little things that often monetarily don't have huge value, but the memory that they bring has tremendous value. And it will echo for years, and you won't lose the client. Mm -hmm. It takes five new clients for everyone you lost. Why wouldn't you? It's like you can make a beautiful cake. I know you love to bake. Yes. If you don't, if the icing isn't presented that it looks edible, it won't matter that it tastes good because we, we, we are people that visualize everything with our eyesight first. Absolutely, absolutely. And let's talk about how to hold on to a client. Do you have any other tips for, for ways that you can continue to engage with them? Absolutely, and this maybe goes to the end because they're really, if you do it right, it won't be an end. But I always make sure, and um, I know I told you this story, I come from an Irish family, and my mother always had the great, great sayings, but she loved books, and our family was always, there were books everywhere in the house. But she handed me Ken Follett's uh, Pillars of the Earth one day. It is a brilliant book, and Ken Follett is a brilliant author that, by the way, knows how to write a middle of a book. <laughs> but anyway, when she handed it to me, she said, Anne, this book is like a hot fudge sundae. You are never wanting it to end. And that's the way when you design a trip for a client and you're building that chapter, they don't want that trip to end. They've loved it so much 
they actually don't want to pack their bags and come home. Yes, right. They're anxious to pack the bags to go, but they hate. And I know you probably felt the same. I just left Rome, and I wasn't there long enough. I was so sad when I packed my bag, mm-hmm. but I knew what would I do to get back so quickly. And I think when you have the best ending, and maybe the last day should be a focus on a trip, rather than exhaust a client, I'll use an example of a client that just came in my office yesterday. Their last day was at Ashford Castle in Ireland, and we held the day for all the wonderful excursions within Ashford that they could do. They flew the birds. They did the four-wheel drive. They were stationary, but still having great adventure. My client, and she was a little older than middle age, maybe a lot older than middle age, Mm -hmm. she ziplined there, and she showed me the video of it yesterday. But again, it was a good pace because they could sit and have a nice lunch. They could have a nice dinner. So they felt very relaxed when they got on the plane the next day. But you know what? That trip was less than a month ago, and they were in our office yesterday booking their next trip. But I want to say, and I hope this is an important tip for everyone, that client that loved our trip and had been on many trips with us, they love us so much. They tend to give us gifts. She brought us back some uh, Connemara uh, marble yesterday, oh, little beautiful things. But she's not going to tell us anything that wasn't right. Because she's trying to thank us. Right. It's a happy moment. You're not going to bring up the negative. But you have to, but don't bring it up as a negative. So what you could say, and if you're listening, write this down because I promise you it works. Say to a client, because this is when you'll really get to know them, if you could change one thing about that trip, what would it be? And then you're going to hear, I loved that we had the last day at the hotel, and we weren't rushed to come back. We actually enjoyed where we stayed. Or they could say, gee, I wish the pace went a little slower. Mm -hmm. Maybe I wish we had a few extra days. There was so much to see, but we liked sitting in cafes a little bit longer than we thought. Then you're going to learn what to do in that next chapter. Yes, yes. It will, it will change how you move forward with the client. But a client cares that you really wanted to hear what would they change. And as you've said, you're giving them permission to bring up something like that rather than them having an awkward moment. Because say there was just something that they really did would have changed by saying, what would you have done differently? You're giving them permission to just bring up something that's not major, but that they would never have told you because they've, you've arranged an amazing experience for them and they don't want to tell you the negatives. Absolutely. And I don't want to forget that the story goes both way. A great advisor probably had Maybe they got lucky and you highlighted them in your magazine, whether it's 30 under 30, they're a trendsetter, or they went somewhere and they talked to you, or they talked to somebody else in the press. You have to shout out your story 
your brand. Let them know if you've gone on a fam trip and what you learned. Your voicemail or your email saying, I'm out of the office, let them know that you're traveling somewhere to learn more. They want to know. It's almost like a doctor does ongoing education because professionals do that. Accountants do that. Uh, personal shoppers do that. Um, they they want to know that you're learning so you can help them better. And, you know, one of the things I just brought up, other people who sell luxury, they look at the past, the present, the future. Travel advisors have our partners, because I want to talk about our partners a little bit. Our partners come in, they do webinars for us, they even come to our offices. You should be writing down when that person comes in and they're presenting a product, when they're talking, you should be saying, tell me why the destination. Tell me who loves this property. What clients of mine, what, what, what characters should my clients have that they belong here? Is it a place for family? Is it a romantic getaway? Is it easy to travel there? Can there be a nonstop flight? Are there options for dining? How is the water? How is the beach? Is it rocky? Do you have red tide? Ask all of those questions that are relevant, but write down names on who you should contact because the reality is if you don't stay connected with that client, I cannot tell you how many people are. They're getting mails, eat mm-hmm. mails from Costco if they shop, they're selling travel. Yep. And they're selling, they're selling packages as well as cruises. They're getting direct mail from our best partners. Our best partners now want to sell direct. They're calling these clients. They know that if you haven't had a client with them in the last two years, they're real happy to call them and say, gee, we have some specials. So if you haven't stayed connected to your client, I promise you they're going to be gone. I always say, who was with you in 2018 that you didn't sell in 2019? At the end of the day, if you don't keep the story alive and well and stay a biographer, someone else will claim them. That's such great advice, and you're absolutely right. You have to keep them engaged. And I think no matter how wealthy a person is or how affluent, they love the thought of getting a deal. They love the thought of getting a travel deal. It's just very, very exciting for them to think that they just kind of nailed something because they got lucky. And that's just human nature. So the advisor does have to keep them engaged, has to keep them excited about the next trip. You talk about how advisors kind of book the client and then there's the departure, but there's that whole middle of the book that they are forgetting about where they can keep the client so excited. That's sometimes the best part of traveling is the anticipation of the vacation besides the vacation itself. Correct. And as a travel advisor, you can't close a sale if you don't mark it first. And if that partner comes in and you think of, if I say, Ruth Ann, you and I had this great conversation. You always wanted to go to Slovakia. This hotel you came in and tour, our, our tour, um, our, our destination specialist was here. I could only think of you today. Even if you didn't want to go to Slovakia this year, you remembered that you gave me that information and I remembered and I thought of you. And you might say, you know, Anne, I don't want to do that, but, you know, I think I have to get back to Paris. Mm -hmm. Again, you've marketed and you may have sold something else. But if you didn't market, there's no opportunity to sell anything. Right. 
It's almost like doing a, a cold call and approaching them and asking them, do they want to take a trip or something? You're starting all over from the very beginning. I think, Anne, that we've covered so much, and I just wanted okay. to ask you, we've kind of come to the yeah. end of our book, <laughs> if I can keep sure. the analogy going. Is there anything I haven't touched upon that you wanted to include, or, or have we done it? I just think you can't wait for your client to call you because they won't, because someone else has called them. Good point, good point. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I've loved talking to you. As you know, I could talk to you all day, but I'm going to let you go. Um, thank you for sharing your insider tips. I truly appreciate it. You're very welcome. It's always a pleasure and an honor to be able to uh, give voice to young advisors and anyone who's wanting to continue their education. We have to keep the next generation coming up, right? Correct, correct. Right. And, and those with second career paths. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you again, Anne. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks, Ann Scully, for joining us today. Join us next time for more on Selling Luxury.